So for those of you that don't know me, my name is Jerry. I'm the campus pastor here. And I just want to say hello to all the kids in the room. I just saw you, but wave your hands around so we can see where you're at. So glad to have you in here with us. Now, I got a question for you. If you are in the age range of 10 to 12 years old, raise your hand or somewhere close, 10 to 12 years old. Okay. When I was 10 to 12 years old, I made a pretty fascinating discovery in our home. I learned that my mom had a guitar. I had never seen her play the guitar, but I remember discovering it and sneaking into her room and teaching myself how to play it. I don't know why I snuck into her room. I, I just assumed she wouldn't want me touching it, but I started teaching myself how to play the guitar, and it was really pretty miserable at first. I'm not going to lie to you. I knew a few notes, but eventually I learned some chords, and over the course of time, I learned how to play a few songs, and it was, it was pretty cool. And so eventually, I enjoyed it so much that I went and bought two guitars of my own, an electric guitar and an acoustic guitar. And it was a really cool hobby. And again, I was never very good, okay? But I enjoyed it. But as with most hobbies, I started to lose interest. And so I decided that I was gonna sell my guitars. And my wife said, I wouldn't do that. If I were you, you're gonna regret it. And she was right. I sold both of them. And the moment the second one was sold, literally as the guy was handing me the money, I was like, I don't wanna do this anymore. And it was too late, it was gone. And so for the last couple of years, my wife has been encouraging me to buy a guitar. She's like, you know, it's a hobby. It's fun. You should, you should do that. And so I've been shopping around a little bit, but then something really cool happened a few weeks ago. One of my best friends sent me an Amazon gift card, and I was able to use it to purchase this beauty right here. I've never bought like a brand new guitar. And so if you're new to Genesis, you need to know we're actually looking for a worship leader. And I have some very exciting news for all of you. It is not me. That's the exciting news. It is not me. Yes, Benita, clap because you, you would all collectively fire me. I promise you. I promise you. So here's what's really cool, though. I have never bought a brand new guitar. So I got to take it out of the box and I got to unwrap it from its packaging. And I remember holding it, taking it out and looking at it like this. No one had ever played it before. And I was looking at it thinking, look at, think of all the potential that I'm holding in my hands right now. Every song that I would ever want to play every song that you would ever want to play, every song that's ever been written, and even songs that haven't been written yet, all the potential is right here in my hands. And I just kind of stared at it like, oh man, this is going to be so awesome. And then I sat down and I started playing. I hadn't played in a while, but it was, it was kind of fun. And then it occurred to me, in order for me to unlock all the potential that was right here, what was it going to require? It was going to require me to practice and some hard work and some focus and some sacrifice. I was gonna have to get calluses on my fingers again. And I really wasn't looking forward to that, but I'm a 41 year old father of four. And you know what I thought? Ain't nobody got time for that. There's no way, I just, I might as well just sell it. Like I'm lucky if I even get to pick it up throughout the course of a day. Now we laugh, but let me ask you a question. Isn't that true with just about everything in life? It could be an instrument that you wanna master. It could be a class that you wanna ace, a career or a, a industry that you wanna, where you wanna excel. It could be a relationship that you wanna see thrive or a sport that you wanna dominate. And you look at it and you see the potential. You know what could be, but then you also realize, oh, it's gonna, it's gonna require something of me, right? It's gonna require a lot of hard work and, and energy and focus. And here's the thing, because it's true, with everything else in life, that means that that principle is also true when it comes to following Jesus and seeing his potential unleashed in our lives. It doesn't just happen. It takes focus and energy and hard work. And so for the last few weeks, we've been in this series that we've called The Pathway, where we've been looking at God's mission 
for our lives. And we believe that God, Jesus revealed this mission to his disciples at the very end of his earthly ministry. He had spent three and a half years with these guys. He's died. He's come back from the dead. He looks out at them in his final words. And he says this, go make disciples. I've been with you for three and a half years. I want you to go and make disciples. It's crystal clear. And so we've been saying in this series that we believe that making disciples is God's mission for your life and for my life. Think about that. It's a crystal clear mission. But here's what's really cool. We don't just believe it's God's mission for my life and your life. We want that to be our mission as a church family, to go into the world and to make disciples. And that might seem really intimidating, but here's the good news. We don't have to figure that out all by ourselves. We don't have to make that up as we go. What we're finding in this series is Jesus has given us a pathway to follow. He has shown us a pattern from his very own life that we can follow. And so just in case you didn't get one of these a few weeks ago, we've made pathway brochures where you can see each one of these steps in great detail. You can go to genesischurch.me and you can download an electronic copy of this. You can catch up with video sermons and podcasts. And I want to encourage you to check that out if you don't really know what we're talking about. But I want to take just a moment to walk you through this pathway. This is what we've been talking about every week. The first step on this pathway is to connect in community. We see Jesus model this for us. Connecting in community is simply developing a few close relationships that can help you grow spiritually. And the next step on this pathway is to encounter Jesus. It's our prayer. It's our goal that everyone would hear the gospel and they would respond to Jesus and they would be baptized into Jesus. But that's not where the mission ends. It continues on. And today we're gonna talk about the third step on this pathway, which is following Jesus. And maybe you've been curious about, well, what does that mean? And, and what does that look like? How does that look in my everyday life? And then next week, we're going to wrap it up by looking at this word multiply. What does it look like to invest relationally into a few people around me for the sake of disciple making? Now, here's what's so cool about this pathway. We did not make this up. We did not develop this. We see this revealed throughout Jesus's life. This is how he did what he did. And we want to be faithful to that in all that we do. And so with that in mind, I have a really important question that I want every single one of you to think about right now, regardless of how old you are. I want you to ask yourself, where am I at on this pathway? Where do I find myself? And, and while, you're, while you're looking, I want you to know this. There is not a right or a wrong place to be, okay? We're all in different places, but here's the goal. Identify where you are and be honest with yourself so that we can all take a next step and be obedient to Jesus and we can grow down this pathway together. We can help others grow down this pathway with us so we can all be living on mission for Jesus together. So where are you and what does your next step need to be? Now today we're gonna look at step three, which is to follow Jesus. And numerous times throughout his ministry, Jesus extended a challenge to people for them to follow him, not just to know more about him, not just to know him better, but to trust him and to follow him. And so here's the question, what does it mean to follow Jesus with our life? Now, the Greek word for follow means to follow in the footsteps of or to join one as a disciple. And a disciple is simply a learner, a student, or a pupil. But depending on your background and depending on your church tradition, you might think that being a disciple of Jesus or following Jesus has something to do with how often you go to church or the type of church that you're a part of or the style of worship that you prefer or how much money you give or how often you serve or how you approach social justice issues. And all those are important things. 
But here's a really important question. How does Jesus define what it looks like to follow him? How does Jesus define what a disciple is and what a disciple's life should look like? That's really the question. And what's interesting is Jesus laid this out for his disciples. On his last night with him, he had a conversation with them and said, I want you guys to know without a shadow of a doubt what this is supposed to look like. And if you look at John's gospel in chapter 15, what we learn is that after having his last meal with them before he would die, they got up from the meal and they went on a walk to a garden called Gethsemane. And while they were walking there, Jesus begins a conversation with them and he uses a pretty vivid illustration. And according to Jesus, our relationship with him as a disciple should look something like this. Now, kids, what are we looking at there? What are those? Those are grapes, right? And you see the big vine coming up from the ground? You've got the vine and then you've got the branches that stretch out like this. And then you've got all the clusters of grapes hanging off of those branches. And apparently, according to Jesus, this is what our relationship with him should look like because Jesus starts to say things like this. He says, I am the vine. I'm the thing that comes up out of the ground. I'm the source of life. You, you're the branches. If you stay relationally connected to me, you will bear much fruit. But if we get disconnected relationally, guess what? You can't produce anything on your own. You won't produce anything that matters about anything. Now, we might look at this and think, okay, that's a little bit of a weird analogy. But here's what many commentators believe. Many scholars believe that one of the reasons Jesus used this analogy was on his walk to that garden that night, they were likely walking past a vineyard just like this. And he was able to say to his disciples, fellas, look, do you see all the potential for growth in this vineyard? Look at all the fruit. This is what I want our relationship to look like. I want you to be connected to me so you can go bear fruit like this in your everyday lives. And in fact, if you read throughout John 15, the whole conversation is about being fruitful for Jesus. But if you look specifically at verse eight in John 15, Jesus provides a summary description of what a disciple should actually look like. Look at John 15, 8 with me. It says this, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now remember, he's on a walk with them. It's his final hours with them. He's kind of giving them a heads up of what's getting ready to happen. He says, I want you to hear me. This is to my father's glory that you're going to bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now in this verse, believe it or not, there are three key characteristics where we can figure out what a disciple is supposed to look like, what our lives should look like. And it has everything to do with unlocking the potential that is inside of each, of one, each one of us when it comes to living fruitful lives for Jesus. So look at the first thing Jesus says. This is to my Father's glory. Everybody repeat that with me. This is to my Father's glory. So the first quality or key characteristic that Jesus is pointing out here is that a disciple seeks to glorify God. A disciple seeks to glorify God. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. We seek to glorify God in all that we do. Now, I have a confession for you, and this is gonna be really awkward since there's kids in the room. It's gonna be really awkward next service because my kids are gonna be in the room. But when it comes to giving God glory, can I just confess to you that I'm kind of a glory hog? I like to rob God of glory. I don't mean to do it. It's just something that comes out of me. I want people to know how smart I think I am how good I think I am. I want you to tell me how good you think I am. It's, and I just, I'm a glory hog. I like to steal glory. And maybe you're thinking, what kind of pastor is this guy? This guy's a monster. Let's get the children and get away from him right now. And maybe, maybe you're right. But you're all, also, you're probably wise enough to realize 
Well, that's not unique to him. That's kind of a human problem. We all do that, whether we realize it or not. We all want to take glory that belongs to God and have it for ourselves. But Jesus, Jesus patterned something totally different for us. Jesus was being accused of different things by the religious leaders of his day. And I want you to listen to what he says to them. In John 5.30, he says this, By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. And listen to this. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Now, this is Jesus. This is God in the flesh. If anybody could have said, I want all the glory for me, it's Jesus. And he says, that's not me. I'm going to seek to bring glory to my Father who sent me. Now, the word seek that Jesus uses here, it's a word you've heard us talk about before. It's the word zeteo. And it means goal or aim. And what Jesus is saying is that the aim of my life is to bring glory to my Father who sent me. I don't want to be about me. I want to be about him. And he wants his disciples to do the same thing, to seek to glorify God. And seeking to glorify God simply means this. It means you want everything in your life to show everyone in your life how awesome God is, the great things that he's done. It means that we recognize God as the source of our life and that apart from him, we literally could do nothing. And so we give credit where credit is due. We don't steal glory for ourselves. We direct glory to God. Now, and just in case you're like me and you struggle with wanting to have glory, there's a really simple thing that you can do. You can start every day or throughout the day. You can pray a simple prayer that just says this, God, I, I tend to take glory. And I don't want it to be like that. I want to give you glory. So will you give me opportunities today to give you the glory that you deserve? And as you pray a prayer like that, you know what's going to happen? There's going to be things that are going to happen throughout the course of your day, and you're going to be able to redirect the glory to God, and you'll already be growing in this process. And he's going to give us opportunities throughout our life to say, are you going to get the glory, or are you going to tell other people about me? So first, a mature disciple seeks to glorify God in all that they do. But then look at what Jesus says next in John 15, 8. He says this, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Say that with me. That you bear much fruit. So according to Jesus, the second characteristic of a disciple is that a disciple is continually growing in their relationship with him. Continually growing in their relationship with Jesus. Now again, all throughout John 15, the conversation with his disciples was about fruit and fruitfulness. He wanted them to grow in their relationship with him so that their potential could be unleashed for him. I want to show you this picture of the grapes again. You've got that strong, sturdy vine. You've got the branches. And look at all the fruit that is coming off of those branches. Jesus says, guys, this is the goal. I want your life to look like that. I want you to be fruitful. And if we stay connected, if you grow in me, this is what it can look like. But the moment we get disconnected, guess what? You're not able to produce anything that matters. So here's a question, and I'm asking this honestly. What kind of fruit do you think Jesus wants us to produce in our life? What does he mean when he says that? Go produce fruit. Well, if you jump down to verse 16, he kind of clarifies this for us. He says this, you did not choose me. He's talking to his disciples. He, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go bear fruit, fruit that will last. Say that with me, fruit that will last. Now, what kind of fruit is Jesus talking about? Is he talking about apples and bananas and grapes here, do you think? Well, that's physical fruit. Does that kind of fruit last? 
I don't know about you, but in our house, a banana lasts no longer than 30 minutes. Like we bring it home from Kroger and it's already brown, right? I don't think he's talking about that kind of fruit. He's talking about fruit that flows out of our life, fruit that should be increasing in measure. Now here at Genesis, we refer to these things as the four eyes. This isn't an extensive list, but these are some fruit that can flow out of our life that will last and can influence others for the kingdom of God. The first eye is identity. And this is simply growing as a child of God. This means that we understand that we've been adopted into God's family through our faith in Jesus, which means that we receive all the rights of sons and daughters of God. And when we wrap our mind around this, our identity, it changes the way that we think and the way that we act and the way that we respond because we're a child of God. So the first is identity, but the second fruit is intimacy. This is growing in a close, loving relationship with God and with people. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love other people the way that you love yourself. Jesus says, if you're going to grow as my disciple, you will grow in all of these relationships. In fact, Jesus says, people will know that you're my disciple by the way you love each other. So enjoy intimacy with others. The fourth, or I'm sorry, the third eye is integrity. This has to do with our character development. I've heard one pastor say it like this, on this side of heaven, we will never be sinless. Isn't that good to know? We'll never be sinless. But the longer we walk with Jesus, we will learn to sin less and less. And this comes by the help of the Holy Spirit. He changes the way that we think. He changes the way that we talk. He changes the way that we respond and interact with other people. The Holy Spirit transforms us as he grows our character to be more and more like Jesus, to look more and more like him. Now, the fourth I is influence. Influence is growing as a kingdom worker who invests in other people. We grow spiritually, but we also help other people grow spiritually so they can walk down this pathway with Jesus. We're going to talk a lot more about this next week, but I want you to think about this for a moment. What happens when all these things start working together? When we embrace our identity as a child of God, and we begin to grow in our intimacy with God and with other people, and the Holy Spirit shapes our character and our integrity, I believe God's going to give us more and more opportunities to have influence for Jesus. And our goal is to leverage that influence so that other people can know we're not doing this on our own. We're doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of Jesus. And we're, that potential that he sees in us is coming out of us. It's bearing fruit for him. And this is what it's going to look like. Maybe you've experienced this. People at work start to notice that you're different. They notice that you pray about things first. You just don't shoot from the hip when there's a decision to be made at work or at home. Or people at school will notice that there's some things that you'll participate in, but that there's others that you won't. And it's because Jesus has changed the way that you think you're gonna change your, uh, use your time and the things that you will and won't do. And you're gonna get to talk about your relationship with Jesus there. Or people in your neighborhood notice that you spend time differently. It's not all about youth sports and staying on the move. You, re, you reorganize your time with God and your family and then everything else. And guess what? You have a peace and a joy that they don't have. And they're going to start to ask you, why are you the way you are? I think you are weird, but you're so happy. Where does that come from? And you get to tell them about Jesus, the impact he's having on you, and you get to direct that glory Back to God. This is a good thing. This is developing fruit that will last. This is the potential in us coming 
out. And so a disciple is someone who seeks to glorify God, who is continually growing in their relationship with Jesus. But there's another characteristic that we find in John 15, 8. Look at this. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, this is gonna sound really obvious when I say it. But I want you to think about this. According to Jesus, anyone who wants to be his disciple has to actually follow him. A disciple is following Jesus. You know what one of the greatest dangers in our life is? One of the greatest dangers would be that we would claim to be a Christian, that we would claim to follow Jesus, and nothing in our life is ever different. We don't look any different. We might do and say things that Christians do and say, but really our heart doesn't look any different. We're not following him. Our lives are not transformed at all. And you know why that's dangerous? Because it is not a good representation to the rest of the world of what it really looks like to follow Jesus. We are only fooling ourselves. Jesus isn't fooled. We have to actually follow him. Over 40 times in the gospels, Jesus issues a command to follow him or to pattern our lives after his. And I believe today, we believe, he is still calling men and women and children not just to know him, not just to be baptized into him, but to follow him, to change our lives for him. Now, one of my favorite times throughout the course of the week happens on Wednesday mornings. I meet with a group of guys at Panera bright and early, and we talk about things just like this. And recently, one of the guys was really honest. He said, I I've got a question. I I've grown up in church. I know who Jesus is. I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. But here's this question. What does the follow look like? What does it physically look like to follow Jesus? And you know what? I love that question. And it's a question that every one of us should wrestle with. We should have to really think through, am I following? What does it look like? How would I know? Now, I'm gonna give you a really simple answer of what it looks like to follow Jesus. It might sound overly simple, but if you wanna know how to follow Jesus, all you gotta do is watch how Jesus followed his father. All you gotta do is look at how Jesus prioritized his life Look at the things that he did to stay connected with God. Now, there's a couple of priorities that we see come out in Jesus's life. I'm gonna share these with you. These are not an exhaustive list. But the first priority that Jesus, as a human, think about this, one of the greatest mysteries of our faith is that he's fully God and fully man. But for the 33 years he was here as a man, it all started for Jesus with prayer. We find multiple times throughout scripture, Luke 5, 16 tells us that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. Read the gospels and pay attention to how often he gets away. Uh, Mark 1, 16 says that Jesus got up very early in the morning while it was still dark to pray. This is God in the flesh making time to connect with his heavenly father. Jesus knew that God desires to have a deep, intimate relationship with us. And that doesn't just happen. It happens by sitting alone with him and being with him and talking to him and listening for him. So the first priority was prayer, but the second is the word of God. Jesus prioritized the word of God in his life. We know that as a boy, Jesus studied scripture. As a man, when he was tempted by Satan, he responded with scripture. Jesus taught from scripture. He didn't make up his teachings. He taught from the word of God. This is Jesus if Jesus was dependent on the word of God, how much more should we be? We need to make time to read and study and apply God's word to our life. The third priority that Jesus made was the Holy Spirit. He was filled with, 
led by and empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus. So if the Holy Spirit was important to Jesus, I don't know about you, he should be real important to me. He leaned on, he relied on the Spirit for all that he did. And the fourth resource is the people of God. We learned about this in week two, but even Jesus needed a close network of friends that he could pour into, but they also encouraged him. Jesus knew that people were important, and we do too. This is why connection groups are so valuable to what we do here at Genesis. If you are not yet in a connection group, you're missing out. I I do not know any other way to tell you. There is still room for you to join groups, but this is so important. We don't get to do this all by ourselves. You can try, but you're going to wither. You need to be connected with other people in a group. Now, maybe you see these priorities and you think, man, I'm not doing good at any of those. I would give myself an F. Well, here's what I would want you to hear me say. Don't grade yourself. Don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. But where can you begin? I mean, what if you just took some time today to pray and to study scripture and to ask for the Holy Spirit's guidance and then you connected to a group where you could do that? You could do this. This is, you can do this. This is not that hard. Let's not overcomplicate these things. Let's not beat ourselves down. So a disciple is seeking to glorify God, to grow in relationship with Jesus, and they're learning how to follow him every day. But I want you to notice something about those words, seeking, following, and growing. They're action words. They imply movement and growth in our life. The New Testament writers talk about this concept as maturing, going from being an infant to an adult. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says about this in 1 Corinthians 13, 11. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I had to put the ways of childhood behind me. Paul says, this is part of the process. And so if you're new to following Jesus, you're growing. That's a good thing. But you have to grow beyond where you are. As I've studied this passage this week, one of the things that has occurred to me is that when it comes to following Jesus, following Jesus is obeying Jesus. And obeying Jesus is going into the world for Jesus. It's all tied together. We don't just get to park and say, hey, gimme, gimme, gimme. He says, no, 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 you you obey and you follow. So I want you to take a moment and I want you to imagine. Imagine the potential that sits inside of you that you've never seen realized. Imagine the potential that God sees when he sees you and imagine the potential that could be unleashed if you started taking some steps down this pathway with Jesus. No matter where you are, no matter how long you've known him, no matter how long you've been walking with him, imagine, do you think, do you think God ever looks at us and says, I've got all that I can get out of that person? I don't think so. He sees unlimited potential in us through the Holy Spirit for Jesus. So where are you on the pathway? And what step do you need to take so that potential could continue to be unleashed in your life? Imagine what could happen. Imagine who God would use you to reach. It might be one of the people that you love the most in this whole world. It might be a neighbor down the street that is hurting and lost. Can you imagine what would happen if as a church family, We all agreed to take a step to model our life after Jesus, to to respond to the gospel, to be baptized, and to say, I'm going to change the way I live because I want that potential to be unleashed in my own life. I read a fascinating article that a friend sent to me this week about how the church in Iran is growing in amazing ways 
And here's what's interesting about this church in Iran. You know what? They don't have a church building. I mean, this isn't, this isn't what church looks like. They meet underground. Their lives are in danger. But what's really cool in the article is it says that the church is growing because people are not being converted to Jesus. They are becoming disciples of Jesus that make disciples of Jesus. It was a direct quote. And my friend shared it and said, I think we're doing something right in Genesis. They don't invite people to a place like this. They don't have a place like this. But they continue to grow by making disciples and it is spreading like wildfire under persecution. What what excuse do we have? Because I can't think of a very good one. I want you to imagine the potential that could be unleashed in your life and in my life and in our church if we all would just agree, I'm gonna take a step no matter what that step is. I'm gonna respond in obedience. And so maybe today you need to talk to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've been sitting on the fence for a long time. Steve said it earlier, just obey. Could you ever go wrong with obeying Jesus? I don't think so. Maybe you were sprinkled as a baby the way I was, or maybe you've never been baptized. I don't know, but maybe you need to respond in obedience there. Or maybe it's time to relook at your life and say, no, I wandered off the path. I need to follow him. I need some things in my life to change. I want you to respond today. When we worship in this next song, you can come forward. I'll talk with you. We can pray. We've got some folks that would love to chat with you. Talk to the person that you came with, but make a decision today to take a step to be a disciple of Jesus and to follow him. Would you pray with me? Father, I'm so thankful for your word. We don't, we don't, we don't have to make this up. We don't get to make this up. You have spelled things out clearly for us. And I am so thankful that you have given us the gospels. We get to see how Jesus lived his life on mission, on target, on point. And Jesus, you, you're so gracious. You, hey, come and see, follow me. I wanna use you. I wanna unlock the potential in your life to make disciples. I want you to multiply. It is the story of the church. And here at Genesis, we want to be on that mission with you. Would you help Holy Spirit right now, please? I believe that you're moving. Would you move through the hard hearts in this room that are resistant to you? Would you move through the lazy hearts in this room to the distracted hearts in this room, myself included? And would you do more than we could ask or imagine for the glory of your great name, Jesus? Help us to be a people that follow you and that make disciples for your glory that we would bear much fruit, fruit that would last. We love you and we praise you, Jesus. It's in your great name that we pray.